Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we got to virtually spend some time with the inimitable and wonderful John Grant, and I hope that you enjoy our chat. Your home looks lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is um, where all my records are. Ooh. I was just looking at one that I haven't listened to in a while, and I'm going to, because it has a couple of cabaret Voltaire tracks on it that I really like. Oh my gosh, I have not heard Cabaret Voltaire in so long. This has about a couple of real beautiful ones on it. And it's got, um, I don't, I've never seen the movie, but it's, it's probably how Viggo Mortensen and Exine Cervanka met or something. Wow. Because it's got both of them in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, powerhouse. Seriously. I was yeah. like, where did you find that record? Well, I mean, I, I had it on cassette in the 80s. In like Excellent. 86 and I, you know, so I, I wanted to have the vinyl, you know, when I started collecting everything again. Um, and I think it's actually a reissue, so it sounds pretty good. When did you start collecting vinyl? Well, I mean, I started when I was young, but then I just went to CDs. So I had tons of CDs. And then when vinyl started coming around again, I was like, that's not gonna happen. You know, cut to, you know, scene <laughs> of me with, thousands of pieces of vinyl. So I just buy vinyl all the time now. I mean, I haven't in the last year because, you know, the the um, income flow has stopped with not being able to perform and stuff. Yeah, that was actually- But it's a small price to pay to get a little break, you know? I was gonna say like, of all things to collect, like one, yes, vinyl is oddly expensive, but also two, it's like, you're paying for like a wonderful experience. Like I love the act of actually just listening yeah. to a whole record. Totally. Me too. And, and I just love to have the thing because I want to be able to access it and I want to be able to have the big artwork. Yes. I love the artwork and I love to hold it and look at it and cradle it and whisper. <laughs> Sweet nothings into <laughs> the gate yeah. here. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to Why Not Both where we seduce records. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> So Just, you're in West Hollywood? I am. I am. What kind of a day is that, Sunny? It is. I suddenly was like channeling my inner David Lynch. I was like, it's sunny. 75 degrees. Clear skies. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> wow. How beautiful is that? 75? Yeah. It's been... Los Angeles does this thing where it like lurches towards springtime and I think that people forget that like there are seasons in LA I mean one of them is everything's on fire which is a bit unusual but like it, uh, <laughs> uh, being from here like spring does this thing where it fakes you out 
Like, it's like, I'm beautiful, I'm yeah. sunny. And then it'll be like extraordinarily hot one day. Like, it'll be like 90, whatever. And you're like, oh my God, is it summer? And then it's like, surprise, bitch. And then it rains. <laughs> like, you're like, ah. Is that <laughs> <So>. April? <laughs> Yeah, like kind of April and May and then June occasionally does like a June gloom thing. And then it really hits its stride with summer, but like it's very up and down. And so like the air pressure system changes, there's pollen, there's like all sorts of stuff. So everyone's kind of a mess like in spring because you think it's going to be nice. And then it's just like, no, 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 yeah. your sinuses are going to implode. <laughs> yeah, that's the good news, yeah. How is everything going? Uh, you're in Reykjavik, right? I am, yeah. It's good. I'm just, you know starting this campaign, you know, not too long ago. So just settling into that. And um, yeah, it's good. I was curious what it's been like because you mentioned not performing. And actually, I think that's the last time I saw you. I was with um, Abby Ramond at a church in Reykjavik and I was sitting on the floor watching you sing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was at Airwaves, I think in, gosh, I'm bad with time and the last year certainly did not help with that. Yeah, I heard um, that. Logically, I think that would be like 2019. Wow. Yeah, good show by the way. Yeah, that, that's right, that's right. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was interesting, yeah. I'm sort of over singing in churches. I'm, I'm sort of like, but th that's a cool one. I got to see Sinead O'Connor in that church too. Oh my I really gosh. Enjoyed that. It's a cool venue. Um, but yeah, I'm over, I don't necessarily, I mean, if it's cool space, but they don't always have the greatest acoustics. They have very yeah. unique acoustics. Yeah? Yeah, I've noticed in spaces for worship that sometimes the acoustics are incredible and echoey and strange and other times they're almost like oddly muted. Yeah, very dead because of all the fabric and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. What's it been like, like not performing though? Because you said that that was a major, like a major factor. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good, but it's a little bit scary to think about going back out there and I'm sure it'll be great once I get going again, but it's, um, I don't know, when you don't do this thing that you do for a living, it makes you think like, you know, what, at least I was, at least I was being productive and making a record, you know, mm -hmm. um, so it's not so bad, but I mean, I, I, you just sort of question your existence, like, why the fuck am I here again? If I'm not doing this thing that I do, and I wasn't, I haven't been, I haven't been one of those people that's been like on Zoom all the time with people, you know, having salsa parties over Zoom and shit like that. Um, I, I've just been keeping to myself. So I suppose isolating through the, the, through the darkness here in Iceland in the winter is, you know, during that nasty, horrible election and the pandemic, mm -hmm. it got pretty dark for a while. Yeah in many yeah. ways. It's interesting that you frame that within the darkness of being in Iceland, because I think that people who haven't been there, like it's it's a strange darkness. It's, it's not all bad, but like, it feels like, uh, the phrase that came to mind was like spiritual hibernation. Cause it's like, you go outside and outside's like, no, mm -mm, this isn't for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, like, it's, okay. it's, it's, <laughs> 
it's it's a good way to put it it does feel that way and you really have to work hard to keep yourself up i mean if you're somebody that tends that has seasonal defective or a seasonal affective disorder um or seasonal disinfectant <laughs> <laughs> i like seasonal defective that's <laughs> yeah totally but um i just uh i have to i have to work really hard if you know like be super productive and have a schedule and and um you know work out five times a week at least you know walk and run and yep i wasn't i wasn't feeling it this year i i i was so depressed because of you know things going on in the u.s yeah that i and the pandemic was getting to me and then you know when you pour yourself into a record i'm sure you've heard this a million times it takes it out of you to completely you know this process of making a record is never an easy one no it's never uncomplicated you know i have never once created nor heard of the creation of an album that was like well that went seamlessly yeah it's not going to happen and it's not that the complications are bad but they just are uh, wrinkles <laughs> i mean it's stressful it's it's stressful when you realize that nobody perceives anything the same way even though you know theoretically we know that but when you're sitting in a room listening to something and it's just amazing how people hear things totally differently and yes see everything totally differently and so it's very i don't i can't believe that a lot of the groups that have lasted for a long time have lasted as long as they have because i can't stand having all those opinions <laughs> You know, I mean, it's hard enough, even if you're, I mean, sure, you have other problems when you're on your own, because everything's up to you. And so everything's your fault, you know, so, right. but um, like this whole thing, I mean, have you ever been with people that are like, I'm sure this happens in LA all the time, actually, like, where shall we, where shall we eat tonight? Oh, man. Like, <laughs> how many times have you, how many times have you wanted to commit, like, <laughs> homicide and then suicide <laughs> during one of those conversations those are the ones where like you're on the group text and you're like do i just throw my phone in the sea is this the time and the answer is <laughs> yes yeah. and just go and make myself a burrito elsewhere <laughs> yeah or cut cut to scene of like five different skeletons holding their cell phones you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you free Tuesday? No, I'm free Thursday. Oh my God, but I'm free on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <gasps> or my favorite one is when you've decided on a place and then somebody goes, but you know, we could also, and I'm like, listen, fuck you. <laughs> no, we couldn't also, you know. Nope. nope. We're all going to be dead from malnutrition soon. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You're like, no, 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 no. Now we are paralyzed by choice. Why have yeah, you done Yeah, I just need us? some fucking fuel and I want to see your face. Can we do this? That's it. That's it. Yeah. And like when you're making a record alone, like it's fascinating that you said that like at least I've been productive and turned to this. In, mm. um, in 2019, when I started this podcast, it was about people who did multiple things and how that informed your identity. And then all of a sudden, uh, all of us experienced in some ways a loss of identity yeah and so it's been fascinating talking to people about that 
because we had to yeah. redefine who we are because in some ways it's like well who are you if all the things that you usually do and not just do like in a capitalistic sense but like the things that you have agency over what happens when those are taken away yeah it's been very strange and it sounds like you turn to like well I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here if I'm not doing the thing I usually do so I'll do the other thing that I do <laughs> and I will attempt to work out but man trying to go and run in the winter in Iceland is like that's a tall order it is but you know people do it people are really good at it here and I I'm just this winter I mean I ran for I ran all through the summer and all the way to Christmas and then when January came around and I mean when the fucking election hit and then the the attack on the Capitol and everything I was yeah. just like no I wish that I were recording the video right now simply because the look on your face was the look on my face where it was just the look of like I'm done like I've reached capacity I've yeah. exceeded capacity and have just shorted out I mean, I mean, the, you know, we, the, those of us who, those of us who are in mourning when it happened on, in the, in 2016 during the election, it's because, you know, we knew that it could only end with something like that. Right. That something like, something like that was totally inevitable. Right. But seeing it happen and then seeing the reaction to it, like, yeah, I mean, it's like maybe not the optimal thing to happen, but, you know, who cares? Right. I mean, that was, that just, I just thought, okay, so you people are really totally just up for this whole thing. Yep, up for the shenanigans. Like you're, you're just in all the fucking way, and I and I and it's like I guess I knew that, but this is even worse, <laughs> you know. Right. Somehow. It's often yeah. strange when, uh, I would say when when you see the first of the bad things start to happen. And you can see the logical end of the bad things, but if you express those, people are like, ah, that's hyperbole. Yeah, that's not where that's gonna go. And you're like, no, I really think that's where it's gonna go. And not because I'm a pessimist, not because you know, I, I want bad things to happen. This just seems to be the logical end of that train. And then that thing happens, yeah, and people are like, who could have seen? And you're like, me? I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no surprise. It's like you put, you put a boa constrictor in a room with a baby and go uh -huh. away for three weeks. This is what happens. Yeah, yeah, you're like, I'd, I'm optimistic, but also not surprised. Um, uh, yeah, and especially in writing from another country, it's been also, for me at least, interesting talking to my friends elsewhere um, because I do have several friends in Reykjavik and then I have a few friends in the UK and a few in Australia and like, just scattered around. Um, but especially being an American writing in another country and witnessing this from afar, I can imagine that would have like kind of a strange remove and also a strange poignancy to it. Yeah, I guess. I don't, I'm not even sure. I, I mean, I felt like I was right there in the middle of it. I just, but yeah, it is different. I don't know how to explain it though. I mean, you are, you are, you have this weird perspective because you are removed from it. Yeah, um, like... and it, it sort of felt, it sort of, you know, it wasn't, it felt to me like from where I was sitting that, you know, that it was just, that it was an actual live episode of The Handmaid's Tale or something, you know, and yes, but, but, you know, people were still going and getting their burritos and going about their lives because people in their 
you know, you know, my friend Jill in Denver, she was saying how, you know, I'm sort of in my bubble here and, you know, it's not that much different than it's always been. Did you read, there was a really interesting article. I feel like I overuse the word interesting, but I genuinely find things interesting. So I'm not sure what synonym to use. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> um, there was an article about um, when there are like revolutions and government collapses that for the most part, most people like go on living their daily lives because in a way there's not really another option. It's not like you don't actually benefit from pausing necessarily. Like there are then actions you can take to like rectify injustice. But for instance, like it wouldn't have made the attack on the Capitol better if I chose to, by the way, spoiler alert, um, I'm a therapist who also is a musician who also now is doing this podcast because- Wow what's wrong with me um but I was <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like that's our new podcast about people who do multiple things it's, it's very it's it's meta me dunking on myself um that's pretty but, awesome <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> when in doubt craft your own reality to be as absurd as possible um but uh I was doing therapy sessions that day and when I'm doing session work I don't like check my phone or the news really in between because my focus is on my clients and so I just kind of like in between sessions, we'll like get up, get some water, like walk around, whatever. But like, I kept getting these like pushed news alerts. And also like my clients were giving me the news each session. And so for me, it was like the, I thought it was just a surreal game of client telephone because the things that people were telling me made so little sense. And I was like, right. what? That's wild. It was so bizarre and like the thing is I like thought I was like is it better to not hold sessions today or like to hold sessions and I was like I'm not going to make this any better by not talking to people I'm not going to make this any better yeah. by stopping what I'm doing I'm safe in my home thankfully and so yeah. it was a weird dichotomy of like well I guess I'm going to keep going with my day because the other option doesn't actually seem productive for me or anyone else but like it, it puts you in this weird liminal space of like well what do I do there's a lot to be said for keeping busy, although um, I don't think that should be the life, a life motto, but it certainly is good in certain situations. Yeah, and especially when you're talking about the isolation, I know that there have been various lockdowns within Iceland, but for the most part, like some of my friends were telling me that essentially last summer felt like, quote, normal, um, which I was like, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> But did you find yourself like more isolated than usual in Iceland during this? Like, cause you said you weren't on Zooms with people, but like, were you able to actually see others when you were working on this record? Like, were you recording with others? Were you recording alone? Like what actually was that process? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I had Kate LeBon producing this record and she was here in, oh, sweet. in Reykjavik. And so she, and she brought with her, um, her close friend and engineer, um, Samer Kuja, who lives there in LA with you. Mm -hmm. And although I think he's in Wales with her right now because she's finishing another record. But, um, you know, it was the three of us basically, but we would go to our separate corners in the evenings because, you know, after you've been with somebody in the studio all day, well, you know, you don't want to hang out with them all evening necessarily. Yeah, you need um, to pause. Especially when it's sort of a long haul and you got to, you know, plus, 
I mean, it was just, you know, it was, we started on March 1st last year. So oh that's God. when it was kicking <laughs> off. So they had, they had just, uh, they had just arrived. And like Stella Mosgawa from Warpaint was playing drums on the record. And she showed up and then had to leave the very next day, unfortunately, to go to oh, Australia. No. That's where her family was. And that, so she did her stuff long distance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I used a lot of, you know, so that was great that she was still able to do it. Um, I mean, she's a badass. And she and I really, I was sad that she had to leave because we hit it off, Aww. you know, right away. It was really nice. But um, yeah, so it was me and Kate and Samer for basically two months. And then, um, and I did, I didn't really see anybody else during that time, except I had um, my ex still lived with me at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, and then he didn't for a while, now he's back here. Mm -hmm. But um, it was great having him around because we know each other so well. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was comforting to have him here as my roommate. Things got a little bit darker when he moved out and I was just alone all the time. I, because I wasn't, I did see people for coffee. I would go out and see people for coffee, but mm -hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really know to what extent I should be. I, I really didn't know what to do, you know, yeah. like it just seemed like people were just doing whatever the fuck they wanted to, except, you know, people weren't very great. People weren't great about their masks until they finally were like, you know, they have masks mandated everywhere. So when, if you want to go into a place, you have to put on a mask. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then you take it off when you get to your table. You know that thing if you're like in a coffee place. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, I just think to myself, well, I guess it's, I don't know. I just feel like the only way you can really be sure is to just not leave your house. And that's not going to end well <laughs> for anybody. <You're> right. <laughs> yeah, like I've been... I've been seeing, I mean, even in myself and in my friends and then in my clients, really everybody, it's very strange to have the things that are comforting, like seeing others, going to cafes, like things like that, um, that then those things are associated with danger. And now we're told that in some ways they're safe, but trying to reconcile things that were nice were then made of danger, but are now sort of nice. It gives you this, like, like you said, this like mixed bag feeling of like, do I just stay in my house? Um, yeah. and, and it's yeah. not just danger to yourself. It's like, I don't know about you, but like one of my primary concerns throughout this was like, I don't want to accidentally harm someone else. Like through my actions yeah. was my main thing. Yeah. That's um, the thing. I think that's how everybody felt mostly. It's like people weren't worried about getting it as much as they were giving it to somebody else. Yeah. That yeah. they really cared about. Yeah. Like, and that's interesting about, you know, like then what happens when you do isolate at home which in some ways like it's good to make a home in yourself because well you're with yourself all the time so right. it moves you to do so but like it's also nice to venture outside of your home it's necessary yeah yeah like, but I, I mean and so for a while I was good because I was going out and running a few times several times a week three times a week so during the week Monday Wednesday and Friday but then it, when my ex moved out because he he was going to live with his boyfriend who's mm -hmm. also an american and 
so I was on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just sort of started really, really feeling, I think it was just the cumulative effects, you know, because things really build up over that year as well. Yes, yes. And um, so this year, more than any other time, I felt like I didn't have any of the defenses that I might have had otherwise to mm. keep on top of everything. And at some point I was just like, Ugh. Yep. You're like, uh-huh. Yeah, because like all, all the things you'd usually do to kind of cope with things were taken away. Well, yeah, and also just, you know, it just seemed like things were so dark out there, you know, and yeah. and people and, and no, I just can't believe the way people are talking to each other. Oh. I mean, yeah. can you? No, it's very, it's very strange seeing, I guess seeing so much anger. Like I, I did make a joke on my Twitter that I was like, I must be awfully boring to follow because instead of getting angry, I tend to just do research. Mm. Um, <laughs> like That's I'm not great. really like, the master of the hot takes. I'm more the, have you read these five scholarly articles? Um, and so. That's really good. <laughs> I try. Um, I think that anger can be productive in that when there's been injustice done, like anger yeah. is a good thing because it alerts you that something needs to be addressed. Um, yeah. But I think that just like the sheer vitriol and anger out of fear is very detrimental. Mm. Totally. I mean, I don't usually read, I don't usually go looking for comment sections to read, but one does quite often if you've watched a video and you want to see what people are saying about it. I just can't believe the conversations that people get into. Right. That keep, that keep going on, you know? And then it's difficult, like as a writer, you know, especially I was wondering like when, when you finished the album, cause as you described it as the year wound down that then like was kind of like this period of darkness. It's hard, like as a writer, I would imagine at least to draw upon that well of, oh, well, what's swirling around inside of me? What's swirling around outside? How do I want to combine it? And if that's what you're writing about, I'd be like, oh, this hurts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of strong feeling on this re- record. I mean, it, I'm really, I'm really happy with it and proud of it. And, um, but yeah, I, I did feel like I, I did feel like a bit of a rag doll at the end of it, you know. Yeah. And um, it's nice that it's getting light here again. I mean, it's the sun. The light isn't totally gone until 11:30 at night here already. Yeah. All my friends, like, I do love when it's springtime. I, I normally don't, like, follow that much social media because it just, it doesn't feel good. But it does yeah. feel really good when I see my friends in Reykjavik in the spring because everyone is just so happy. All the photos are like, a leaf outside. It's green. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, everyone is so joyous that it, it then I get vicariously happy. Um, I'm just like, totally. oh, springtime has come. <laughs> It's weird that the leaves aren't blooming. They're, they're just starting now to bloom and it's a little bit late. Yeah, yeah, it was later than usual. Like, because summer, you know, summer started last week and <laughs> the, you know, there's no leaves on the trees yet. So it's really weird. 
Yeah, one of my friends literally posted a leaf. That's why I thought of it. Is it literally it was like the yeah. one? I want to go to the volcano. It probably smells really weird. Um, it smells really good. Yeah. What? Is, so you've been to the volcano? I went once. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty bonkers and incredible. And um, it was. Uh, it smelled like the wood burning stove in my grandmother's kitchen in Missouri. What? That's what it smelled like to me. Wow. Like, because, I mean, I immediately, it just brought up scenes from that kitchen immediately. Oh my gosh. There's no other way to play it, you know? So it was really cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was the most, it was really beautiful. I love the smell of a wood burning stove and it was freezing outside. I mean, yeah. it was so, it was freezing cold. And um, it's, it's not an easy walk at all. Yeah, I've heard it's a bit of a schlep. Yeah, it's changed as well. They rerouted it because the, you know, the, as the volcano, as new craters open up and everything. And at one point, you're just going right up, you're going straight up the side of a mountain. Oh my and God. on the way down, it's so steep that you keep falling on your ass because, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, you can't believe the slope. That's when you start, I, I have no sense of dignity. I'm also very small. And so I don't have great balance going down hills because my feet are like child size. I just crab right. walk down. I'm just like, I'm using my hands. We are not yeah. trying to, I will just otherwise slide down it as though I am on an imaginary sled. Um, and so I'm like, that's, we're just- that's, totally, <laughs> that's really good actually. And that's what I should have done. You know, it's probably a masculine pride thing, whatever. I'm like, you know, left over from the 70s. That's hilarious. You're like, I must preserve my dignity by falling on my ass. That's more manly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm breaking my tailbone. <gasps> oh, masculinity. What a lark. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. So delightful. Did you feel a kinship, I guess, like with Iceland? Like, because you did choose to move there. Yeah, I mean, I just feel a kinship with feeling safe and, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a very sensitive person, but I feel like I can feel the anger in the air in the U.S. and yes. in Britain, you know? Very much so. And, and I just feel like there's so much rage and uh, I feel like it's, you can taste it, you know? That's, and I suppose that yeah. comes from, you know, that comes from years of, you know, when I was younger being, I mean, I'm sure it has to do with PTSD and, you know, having been spent most of my life, you know, in a state of fight or flight and hypervigilance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it translates to things affect you quite deeply. Um, you're quite sensitive to them, I suppose. And, you know, that's something that I tried to kill with, you know, drugs and alcohol was that sensitivity, which is, um, mm. it's too bad. And I think a lot of people try and do that because they're told that they need to toughen up for the world and they end up killing all of the good things about themselves. And then all of that destruction just spills out from them onto their surroundings at some point as well. And it's just a vicious circle. It's nasty. I mean, that ties so, into masculinity in a way where like killing the sensitive parts of yourself, but it's like those yeah. sensitive parts are what make you human and trying to blot them out 
in a way yeah. it's almost like poisoning them yeah and i mean you know sensitivity is also not unmasculine you know yeah um it's so yeah i mean i, I don't know the, the masculinity thing is big for me and of course that figures into all my records um yeah like i, I don't think you know, it feels like the American dream to me is about unbridled ambition hmm. and, you know, just like voracious appetites, taking as much as you can. And it's about realizing the self and, you know, whoever gets in your way, they get mowed the fuck down because nobody's going to get in the way of me realizing myself or, you know, me achieving my dream. Um, yeah, I mean, is it, is it, I mean, is it even okay in America not to want, not to want to be rich? It's strange you ask that because when I think of what you just said, like about like the realization of self, but at the expense of others, in yeah. my mind, at least, I don't think that there is a realization of self that doesn't include others. It's like, then what, what right. do you get? Then you're sitting on a pile of what? Like, exactly. cool, you have a pile of money. Do you feel connected to others? Do you actually feel fulfilled? Do you actually, you know, like, do you have the joy that you wanted? And generally the answer is no. I guess like my perspective might be different having grown up in LA where I encountered lots of extraordinarily wealthy people. Um, yeah. and can say from my observation, though it's good to have your basic needs met, I think like once you have your, your needs met, then you can go from there. Like I would not espouse like taking money away from people and being like, no, 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 you should be happy with absolutely nothing because like at a certain right. point, like, no, that's actually stressful. Um, yes. but once you cross that threshold, having that much more money doesn't make you happy like once you have more resource than you can use or that you can help others with it yeah. doesn't bring fulfillment and it also like I don't know I at least personally wouldn't feel good if some of my quote success came from dunking on other people like that doesn't feel good that's not success yeah I mean how could it feel good right I mean I think the only way people can turn that in I think the only way people deal with that is to just block it out, you know, and forget about it. Well, like you said, but, to kind of like blot out parts of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I like money. I, I like being able to afford to buy food and not worry about the rent. Absolutely. But um, I mean, I can see how it becomes addictive. You know, I can see how it becomes something that I can see, especially somebody like me with an addic with addic addiction problems, mm -hmm. I can see um, how it can turn into a compulsion mm. to just want to keep doing it and more and more and more is always more. And yeah, but you know, I mean, I I, I feel like I'm I can be quite happy with very little, but. Um, I'm a bit of a pack rat as well. I mean, I like things. I love to buy, I love to buy books and records, you know? Yes. Well, and um, that like, those seem like your magpie objects where you're just like, yes, these are the shinies. 
Yeah. And I like to have cool cups to drink out of. Yes. <laughs> you know, I really do. I like, I like um, cool mugs and um, somebody came and visited me and broke my favorite mug and I had buried it deep in the mugs. It was this, it was this like bone china from England and it just had the most beautiful, it had tractors painted all over it. <laughs> I enjoyed really, that dichotomy. It was, it was this exquisite bone china cup, very big, like a big ass fucking teacup. Uh -huh. And then it had these beautiful renderings of tractors all over it. And I, <laughs> like, I, I'm still grieving the loss of that thing. I can see that. What happened? Did it, did part of it break or did it like shatter? It shattered. <gasps> I mean, when I came, you know, there was no, there was no, um, Decaffecting either from the you know it was just gone, oh. but it, I came. But my my friend, um, you know, I had buried it deep in the in the cupboard so that my guests you know wouldn't see it as an option. But of course, yeah. my friend, my friend, uh, went straight for it, oh. and um, and I think it's you know I think it's great to let go of those things as well. Um, it's a great exercise to lose something like that that you think you have to have because yeah. obviously you don't need it. But um, yeah, I do like things and I love to, um, I love to buy photos on eBay and frame them. Really? What kind of photos? And posters. Yeah. Like I have tons of photos all over the place from, especially, I mean, especially at my studio. Mm -hmm. um, my studio just has a shitload of photos on the wall. Like I have a, a picture of Charo buying a newspaper in black and white. <laughs> you know who Charo is? I do. That's why I'm like, that is, I don't know why, but I just flashed to that magnetic fields lyric of like Charo and Guar playing guitar. It's, it's one of the songs in 69 <laughs> Love Songs. Yeah, I mean, I, I fucking love Charo. And you should see her. She's got this, she just, she's got like a cap on and this cool sweater. And it looks like she's in Argentina at some international bookstore buying a newspaper. Mm -hmm. And it's in black and white. And it makes me so happy. And then I have a picture of Jaws from, um, you know, Richard Keel biting mm -hmm. the cable in Moonraker. <laughs> you know that movie, that James Bond film? I do not, but I really enjoyed your dramatic recreation. I mean, well, yeah, it's this guy with steel teeth and he bites through, he, in, the, in the movie, he bites through this like giant gondola cable. What? Yeah, he can do that. And wow. it's a picture of him doing that. And it's, and I have a beautiful, I have a beautiful photo that I got from Cozy Fanny Tootie, mm -hmm. you know, from Throbbing Gristle and Chris and Cozy which is signed and I have like Carrie, um, um, Carrie, you know, Sissy Spacek and Carrie, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. just, just, you know, like going like. Yeah, 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 the blood the, photo. The, the mm -hmm. on her face and mm -hmm. just tons of things that bring me great joy like that. I loved, I, I, I spend hours on eBay looking at um, photos, like actors that I love. Um, I have a great one of, um, Gosh, what's her name? Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched, mm -hmm. with uh, with Alice Ghostly like standing in front of a backdrop of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and then right <laughs> above that is 
um, an old picture of Divine. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then the tall man from the movie Phantasm, sort of with one of those deadly silver globes hovering over his hand. Wow. And so I have some black velvet paintings in there that I got in Australia and some paintings that people have made for me. And like, I have two versions of this one I can show you. Yes. Here's a good example. Oh. It's a, it's a, it's a picture, it's a painting, an oil painting of a Russian candy wrapper, <laughs> which I think features, is incredible. It features the Northern Lights and a really satisfied polar bear. Yeah. And can you see the wrinkles that they, in the? A wee bit. I can see like kind of the texture of the, oh, so it looks like a crinkled candy bar wrapper. Yeah. Oh. They still make that in Russia. So anyway, um, but unfortunately, most of my really incredible photos are are um, back at the studio. Which I like, is, you have such evocative yeah. things around you. Like at first when you said like, I like things, it's like you have these images that inspire emotion. And same with when you described that mug, I was like, the dichotomy to me, at least of bone china and tractors certainly inspires emotion as well, where it's like this delicacy and then this like, well, now here's a tractor. Um, yeah, and I, you know, um, you wanna see my favorite mug from right now? I love this one. <gasps> Ooh, the wood texture yeah. on that's really cool. It's like a log, yeah? Yeah, your log has it's something like to tell stuff. you. And then it's got this beautiful pale green on the inside. Oh, wow. That looks like someone distilled the Northwest into a mug. Totally. Oh, I love Anyway, that. so yeah, I do love things, but I, you know, I can't really imagine like, I mean, I would like to buy a house, but because I mean, I'm spending like four, four grand a month on rent. Oh, wow. I mean, you do have a really spacious place, so I could imagine. <laughs> I do. It's like I spend most of my time in my bedroom. So even though I have this incredible DVD collection, a lot of times I'll end up just watching. I mean, I'm a total movie freak. That's what I like to collect too. I like to ah. collect movies. And books. Or, oh, those are DVDs. <gasps> These are all uh, Blu-rays and I have like, I like Godzilla. And... <laughs> I like um, I like the Criterion Collection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just have a shitload of stuff. Um, and I mean, when I go through them and think about what I would get rid of, yeah, there's really nothing here that can be gotten rid of. <laughs> you know? But I mean, am I going to get rid of cereal, Mom? Am I going to get oh. rid of? Hairspray? No. Am I going to get rid of James Cameron's first movie, Piranha <laughs> 2? No. Wait, his first movie, Piranha 2? That sounds like a joke. Yeah. I love that. It's true. Look at this. <laughs> oh, you can't get rid of that. <laughs> that's not something you get rid of. And I have a Petoskey stone. A Petoskey Have you ever seen a Petoskey stone? stone? No. Tell me what a Petoskey stone is. It's from Petoskey, Michigan, and they... They're in the Great Lakes there. Can you see how gorgeous that is? 
Yeah, it looks like a bunch of teeny little alien homes crystallized. Mm-hmm. And these these are all over the place up there in, wow. the, in the north of Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a real thing when you're living out of a suitcase and and you totally lose perspective with yourself yeah. and like what it is that you're doing and you don't really have a home to go home to anymore. Yeah. Um, it can be quite... I mean, I, I'm talking to a very specific group of people here, but. Well, I want more people to empathize with that experience. Yeah, because I think that, you know, there is obviously, there is joy in the fact that you get to tour and share your music and do all the things that like are fulfilling, but it deeply impacts your personal life. And I think that a lot of people don't see that side of it or because they see the success, they're like, well, why would you complain? And it's like, there's allowed to be nuance. <laughs> there's allowed to be ups and downs in any scenario. Well, yeah, plus you can simply observe and not be whining about it. You can say, this is happening and I don't like it. And yeah. I'm not saying that I don't deserve it or I'm not saying that I don't, that I'm not privileged or I'm not saying, I'm saying this is what's happening right now and I don't feel so great about it. It doesn't feel good. And no. I don't, yeah, I don't see why you should cover everything up and just always say, no, I'm great, I'm great, I'm yeah. great. I'm that weird, like toxic I'm positivity, great. the whole like good vibes only. I'm like, sometimes the vibes aren't good. Yeah, and, I'm, and, I, and I feel like there's 100% just as valid as the others, you know? Exactly. That's the other shit. Whole spectrum of vibes. Yeah, and they can't, they can't exist um, alone. They, there's always there's always the one with the other. Yeah, yeah, and especially when you're talking about like being on tour for that long, really, and then going into this experience, no wonder it, it was kind of sounds like a shock to the system to then be like, not only are you not touring, but you're alone. <laughs> like, that's that's destabilizing to say the least. It can be. I mean, I, I'm I'm also very grateful for being able to have this time for myself too. I just, um, I don't know. I think I never really learned to live when I was younger. You know, I never, mm. I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. I, I, I go and play with my synths at the studio and mm -hmm. I read my books. I love to read in all my languages and study up and learn new words and conjugate and decline and do all that stuff. Yes. You know, so I'm never really bored. I can't say that I'm ever bored. I'm always, um, yeah, I'm never bored. I will say that. But sometimes you long for companionship. You long to be known by somebody else. You long, you long to be known by somebody else where you, mm. um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. they know you and they, they, they know you outside of the context of your life, you know? That's a really beautiful sentiment. Like that's, that's why I let that just sit there is that I was like that, that's true. Or even if you are engaged with what you're doing and engaged with yourself, there's beauty and power and solace in being known. Yeah. And speaking to you, it's been fascinating to hear what informed the record, but also kind of what informed this time on your own and when you said like that you've been grateful for the time I guess like 
my curiosity is like you said that you're grateful what what do you feel like shifted during this time I don't know I suppose I did pretty good sort of just being with myself outside of the context of my life to come back to that mm -hmm. like you know like apart from the things that I have always thought give me self-worth like I'm I'm getting older and I can't keep up with all the languages like I used to I'm totally out of practice with many of them and and uh, Icelandic is definitely the hardest one I've ever done mm -hmm. and so it's a real humbling experience so I can't really you know, I'm, I can't be perfect anymore like I could when I was younger. You know, I just don't have the, I don't have the energy to to make that much of an effort, especially, you know, as the language centers shut down in your mind and yeah, and it becomes harder for you to. I mean, trying to keep up Russian and Icelandic and German and Spanish and French. Um, they recently asked me to do, you know, this video clip of me doing the interview over in four different languages. And I was like, you people are out of your fucking minds. I mean, I, I've, I've been in Iceland learning Icelandic, which sort of is it's even harder than Russian. It's yeah. more complicated than Russian. And it's um, I haven't I haven't been in France speaking French for the last year. Right. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the political conversation in Spanish about um, the origins of rage. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, you know what I'm that, that's a no. <laughs> but I, I, suppose, I suppose that's the answer is just sort of being okay with, um, I suppose I'm shifting more towards now that I can't be perfect, I can't control things the way I wanted to when I was younger mm -hmm. and being okay with that and saying um I have self I have worth I have you know I enjoy my company I enjoy being on my own I'm never bored mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by so many different things I love this childish curiosity that I still have within me and also you know being able to say there's a lot of things that I still struggle with mm -hmm. but I'm but I'm okay and I can't yeah. do a lot of things the way I wish I could right now, but that's not what makes me worthy. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, because I have these, these, um, you know, because I have these skills or whatever, I just can't fucking keep up. And then once you, I guess that's a lot of people experience this when they're getting older. I mean, I'm 52 now too. So mm -hmm. you know, it's just, things are changing and I, I guess it's just this lesson that everybody has learned who gets old is that not everybody, obviously. <laughs> but one notices that on the bus occasionally. Um, but just, um, yeah, just being okay with who you are and in spite of the fact that you, that you know you're still hugely flawed and like, I never really learned to live. I never learned to cook. I never learned to do a lot of things because I was told so often when I was young that, you know, there isn't a place in society for people like you. You're you're not welcome. Mm -hmm. You're not welcome in the American dream, and you're not welcome in this society, and you're not welcome in this house, mm -hmm. unless you, unless you become something different. You know, you you are certainly not acceptable with just being who you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a very clear message that I got over and over you know, over the course of decades. Yeah. So, 
I think anybody that can just, I think, you know, it makes me an extreme optimist that I, that I'm still just continuing to show up and, and try and, and still, still going to therapy, still talking to people, still curious, still wanting new perspectives and still learning new languages and still, you know, really trying to learn how to live and, and just make a place for myself in the world and take part in community, which, you know, I've never felt comfortable doing because I, you know, I sort of, mm. I think this is with a lot of people who are sort of outsider-esque, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, well, yeah, well then fuck you. I'm not going to take part, you know? Right, right. And, you know, you, you, but you can't survive without other people. So you've got to figure out a way to find your community. Well, and in a way, kind of like find yourself worthy and accepted within your imperfections. Yeah, I mean, I'm an extremely flawed individual who's, I mean, I've got a lot of anger in me. I still feel a lot of hatred towards people who, you know, towards the arrogance of people telling me who I am before I even knew what sexuality was, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I say it, I say it, I say exactly how I feel in my songs. You know, I say exactly what I'm feeling, which I think is, is great. It's sort of like my tiny little contribution. It's like, I don't expect anybody to give a shit about my particular story, but the fact that I'm able to say my story matters, even if it doesn't matter to you, mm -hmm. is really great. Well, and even just having that story be told, like, I think that at least in my view, having personal narratives is so vital because like we were talking about when you're saying when you're working with people versus alone on a record, mm. it's magical and terrifying how different all of our perspectives are. Yeah. And so being able to kind of collect those perspectives, like when you're showing me like your movie collection and things like that, each of those is like another data point of perspective that yeah. it's like, you know, and diving into other people's perspectives is vital. Like that's part of connection to yourself and to others. And so by sharing yours, I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> like Now we have more. Now we get to enter your perspective. Yeah. You know, it's funny because people always say to me, um, don't you feel, don't you, aren't you worried about, aren't you worried about, yeah. like, you know, a, being, you know, talking about yourself, you know, like sharing yourself to, to the way you do. And I'm like, I really don't, I feel like that's an extremely revealing question about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like, because, I mean, what do you mean? Like, am I afraid of internet trolls because I talked about being vulnerable? I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, there, there are millions of people out there that know what I'm talking about and I'm talking to them. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's all there is to it. And, and what's more, you know, because people have different perspectives and, you know, this is, this may be detector of the detective of the obvious type shit that I'm about to say, but <laughs> you know, it's people apply things to their own stories. They don't, no one gives a shit about your story, you know, yeah. not, not, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like people are looking for ways to survive their own experience. Yes. Yes. And in a way, part of that is looking inward and outward. Like it reminds me of an Anais Nin quote that I always liked about like, 
we see things not as they are, but as we are. Yeah. Where it's like, and I mean, yeah. you can, yeah. But you can look at, you can look at all these different points of, you can look at all these different things that something is reflected off of. Mm -hmm. And that light from reflecting from all these different points and perspectives will meet in the middle and you get a much bigger picture and a much bigger perspective by being curious about all these different perspectives. That also and reminds so, me of, I think it's a Crowley quote about how there's all the different colors, but they're all one light. Yeah. Yeah. That's really that good. I'm, yeah, I was like, I massacred that quote. It, it's much more articulate than that, but it's essentially that we are all prisms, but it's one light. Yeah. Very succinct. Yes. So I just summarized Crowley. We'll go with that. It's the annotated version. <laughs> you know, I'm coming out of the winter and you know, I'm 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 doing fine. You know, a little rough around the edges, a little bit yeah. sort of like not, you know, not really wanting to peek out of my hole. But I mean, the fact that I can come out of that after having, you know, my identity stripped from me, as like you said, so we all have sort of. Yeah. In many ways. We've had a lot of, we've been separated from the things that we, except I don't know what would happen if I were separated from the coffee that goes into that cup. Every <laughs> That's been the one thing that I've looked forward to every day, yes. all year long. The ritual of coffee. It's, I'm seriously, and I just don't give a fuck. It's like heart problems, fine. Just give me my coffee, you know? Honestly, I think ritual is really important. Yeah, and I don't really have much of a ritual, you know, except going to bed and having my coffee in the morning. <laughs> you know what? That means you have a nighttime ritual and a morning ritual. You are off to a fantastic start. <laughs> I mean, I'll, 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 eat, I'll eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for 20 years in a row. And I, I love them. And, you know, maybe I'll have potatoes once in a while, but I'm just sort of... I think I can adapt very quickly and be happy with that one thing. Yes, that's a good thing to find the thing. You said peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and my stomach literally just growled. It was like, oh, our friend sandwiches? Oh, <laughs> right? I really appreciate I love, that you've been- I love it at PPJ. Oh, um, PPJ is good. Speaking of this photo, speaking of peanut butter and jelly, I have to show you this photo that was taken of me recently. Yeah. I call this, um, this was something that I wanted to do. There it goes, oh my God. <laughs> oh, wow. You look like a PBJ monster. Right? Wow. It's like you've been chewed up and spit out and reconstituted. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Totally. How did you, how did you construct that? What's that? How did you construct that photo? Well, I was like, that's well, they, wild. They just covered my head in peanut butter and jelly. How much peanut butter and jelly? A lot. <laughs> that was... <laughs> a couple of jars, a couple of whole jars full. That went places. Like several, yeah. Yeah. That was, end, like, that was the end of like a 12 hour shoot and it was, the last one and it was like after midnight and I was when I was there was just this tiny little sink for me to 
get the <laughs> out, of, out of my beard and out of my hair. And I really, really thought I was going to fucking lose it. Oh my God. Well, that's, that's like, that could only be the final shot of the shoot because like, where are you going to go from there? Nowhere. <laughs> <I'm> so... <laughs> totally. I'm like, there's nowhere to go from there, but I can't imagine trying to do peanut butter myself in a tiny sink. And I don't even have a beard. I just have waistband hair. <laughs> um, I'm, like, I'm like, I'd still be in that sink. Um, <laughs> thank you for being so generous with your time and with your stories. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've enjoyed talking to you. It was fun. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. (laughs) 